0: Good morning, new hope. Pastor John, I was getting excited as uh, as Wendy was talking about Legos. I want to pack of those Legos, you know. I think my dream job as a kid was to be a a master craftsman for Lego someday, but not not to be done. Um, you know, I, I loved watching some of the reality TV shows this summer. Uh, I thought the Tough as Nails, anybody see that one this summer? It's kind of cool. They would do these competitions, men and women, do these physical competitions, lumberjack stuff. They would run down the street behind a garbage truck and try and get as many garbage bags in the truck. And What was cool to see was uh, they, it was for an individual competition, but also for a team competition. And the desire for community was so strong amongst them. In fact, even the losing team, when they weren't going to win thousands of dollars, they said, you know what? I found family with my team. I think during this time of isolation and division, people are hungering for for community so much. I think uh, we can identify with that. uh, Those of you Viking fans and Twins fans, we just realize it's just hopeless to... to, uh, you know, to win, so we just want people to have community with us and mourn with us, right? I was talking to Pastor Bill, and I was saying, you know, Bill, it's, uh, it's easier to be a Christian as a Vikings fan because Jesus says we have to die to ourselves. And I'll pray for you because I'll pray for your pride and your idolatry and your Packers. No, I, it just made me feel better to say that, sorry. But I've been seeing this theme on, on several kind of things in community, this, this desire for connection, this desire for community, especially during this time. But our hearts and our longing for true community can only be eternally, eternally fulfilled in the salvation and welcome into the family of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. So here's our big idea for today. True community comes when we receive Christ's faith and mission for the church. So first of all, true community comes in receiving the faith of Christ. Follow along as I read uh, the story of Jesus' calming in a storm in Mark 4. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. I've always loved this story, and if we have any experienced people on big bodies of water, you know that when a storm stops, that waves can continue for hours after that. I would love to have been a fly on the boat, right? Well, not really, but I would love to have seen the disciples' expressions, experienced fishermen, and knowing that when the storm stops, the waves don't automatically become still. And they are terrified. And they say, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? But Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, wait a second, Jesus. They they have some faith, right? I mean, they come to him in the boat to, to do something about the storm. But Jesus says they have no faith. Often, similarly throughout the Gospels, he says they have little faith. Right? The problem, church, is that we try and have community without the fullness of Christ. Jesus is saying that they have no faith because they're trying to have faith. They're trying to have community in their own power, in their self, and in their pride. They have no faith because they've not fully received his faith. And so here's the invitation all followers of Jesus are invited to have the faith of Christ as, as our faith. Not to have it on our terms, but just to have his faith. In other words, we're trying to have faith by mustering up our faith and our strength and our way, and we have just a little faith. He says, that's no faith. Have my faith. To have faith is to lean in completely. I loved it. I didn't know Wendy was going to sing, I surrender All. That's how we have his faith. We surrender all. We say we can't do it. We humble ourselves. We can't do it. Jesus, give me your faith. I've said this before, but I love Andrew Murray's definition of faith. If you're taking notes, there's three things here. First of all, it's utter dependence on God. It's it's a surrender. It's a dying to self, Vikings fans. And we say utter dependence on God. We need you. We need you. Secondly, it's standing on God's word. God says it, and we're going to believe it. It's not about having so much faith. It's just like, okay, I'm going to stand on his word. The centurion says, Jesus, if you say the word, my daughter will be healed. And Jesus says, I haven't seen faith like this. That's just standing on his word. It's utter dependence on God. It's standing on God's words. And thirdly, it's fellowship with God. Faith is not abstract. Faith is personal. It's the presence of Jesus. If we have faith, the presence of Jesus comes in. We have fellowship with him. And when we start growing in this reality of faith, we have the faith of Christ, we have the presence of Christ, and the power of Christ begins to to build in our heart and to come alive. It's real. This past Thursday, we uh, reopened Hope Recovery here in Cambridge, and we've been able to, to have it safely in, in our sandy campus, and I'm so proud of our, our recovery team. And my, my daughter and I, Gabby, got to open up and lead a couple worship songs. And the presence of Jesus was so real. It was this kind of faith. It was utter dependence. I can't do it. He's my higher power, right? I'm going to stand on his word, and and the presence of Jesus came in, and this faith was alive. I could hardly keep it together, church, and I know God is so pleased when we come to him with a humble spirit, and we say, we can't do it. We don't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. That's not faith. We say, I can't do it, Jesus. You do it. You take over. I surrender all. And when we start to receive the faith of Jesus as our faith, and we begin to experience and walk in the community that God wants to offer, we can have the fullness of God come in and take over. Does someone have faith today? Does someone want to experience the presence of Jesus? When we let Christ live his faith through us, we see his fullness operating and we can begin to experience true community. Secondly, true community comes in following the mission of the church. Reading from Acts 2, 42 to 44, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, And had everything in common. In the book of Acts, we see this amazing transformation in the community of Christ's followers, the disciples. During the three years that the disciples walked with Jesus, they are always fumbling along, having no faith, because they were depending on their power. They were trying to figure it out in their way. But as Jesus dies on the cross for our sins... And rose from the grave and ascended to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit. And something changed in their community. They depended on him. And this community was amazing. There was a difference. The presence of Jesus came through. Because they were walking in the faith of Christ. They were receiving the faith of Christ. And they were carrying out the mission of what Jesus had for the church. and this community, this life of Christ happens when we follow him and his main mission for the church. And what is Jesus' main mission for the church? Matthew 28, before he goes to heaven, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's his mission. Sadly, the church today is often turned into a spectator sport. Matt Chandler, Pastor Matt Chandler says there's an arena culture in our culture, right? We don't want to do much. We just want to come and like put on a good show for us. That's passive. That's passive church. But but we're called to live like the early church that what they devoted themselves, right? To the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It's an engagement. It's a, it's a community that lives out this call. If you were here last week, Pastor Justin uh, gave a great message, right? And wrapping up the gospel series and said, we're falling asleep. We're falling asleep and we need to wake up and share the good news of Jesus. And church, that falling asleep, that's an arena culture, right? That's a passive culture where we, we just think, well, it's up to the pastor, right? Right? I remember being a pastor's kid and uh, being in school, and and then some kid said, you're a PK, you can't do that. I said, well, you're a follower of Jesus, you can't do that either. Right? It's not all up to the pastor. It's about engaging in the mission of God. For our uh, quarterly meeting last Sunday night, I, I wrote and described how this time of COVID has been a blessing because it allowed us pastors to, to sit back and to say, God, what do you have for the church? And we went through a workbook book called Disciple Shift. And it's all about this shift from being a passive church to doing what he's called us to do, to go and make disciples who make disciples. And I was so thankful for, for this time to lean in and say, God, let's do this. Let's Let's make disciples. Let's do what you call us to do. And there's five shifts that happen in a disciple shift, okay? First of all, it's from reaching to making. It's not about reaching as many people or or filling your building with as many people as you can. It's about making disciples. That's the end goal. It's not about informing. Don't come to church and say, I just need to be fed. It's not about informing. It's about equipping. The role of the pastors and the teachers is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. You're the ministers. And so we're about equipping us to be disciples. It's from program to purpose. Churches can be real good with programs, right? And have programs for everything. It's not about a program. It's about a purpose. In every area of the church, it should be about discipleship. I told our recovery It's not about sobriety. If we wanted to be sober, we could just get locked up. It's about being transformed into a follower of Jesus. Number four, it's from activity to relationship. It's not about what we're doing. It's about who we're being. It's about being transformed into a follower of Jesus. And the old Swedes used to say, how is your walk with Jesus? That's what we can do. Move from activity to relationship. And it's from accumulating to deploying. This should be like, I remember uh, in, in the doors of, of my home church, my dad had word printed on the way out, service entrance. You're not coming into the service. You're going out to the service, right? As we get equipped to say, let's go make disciples, in arena culture, we occasionally add some disciples, right? We hope, hey, let's just bring people in and hopefully they become a disciple, follower of Jesus. But in a disciple shift culture, we get into the real business of making disciples who make disciples. It's a multiplying. It's not an adding once in a while. Again, our big idea, true community comes when we receive Christ's faith. And mission for the church. And what is this mission? It's to go make disciples who make disciples. The best description in scripture I see is, is Matthew four nineteen, And it says, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. There's three things in here. Come, follow me. This is our allegiance to Jesus. And this is someone who follows Jesus with their whole self. Come follow me. I'm following you. You're my Lord. And he says, I will make you. This is the process of transformation, right? This is the process where Jesus makes us more like him. That's what we say we want to do, right? Come follow me and I will make you. Thirdly, fishers of men, we join in on the mission that Jesus has for us to make disciples it's relationship it's intentionally saying i want to be a follower of jesus i want to make disciples who make disciples jesus didn't say come follow me and i will make you a good spectator jesus said come follow me i will make you disciples Pastor Bill will get into uh, the following up of this Acts 2 passage, but I want to just point out, it says in this passage, that uh, it shows a twofold pattern of how we do church, of how we do discipleship. It says, they continue to meet in the temple courts and in their homes. Right? We come together, we gather as a large body, there's discipleship that's happening right now, amen? But then we gather in smaller groups, right? We gather in smaller community. We gather in the homes, and we grow as disciples, and we encourage one another in in a tighter-knit, smaller community. So, church, we have two main discipleship focuses here. The first of all is our hope groups. And two weeks from today, we launch uh, the the opening up of those groups, right, where we say, find a group, find a group, Uh, want something that fits you, right, somewhere to get connected, to grow in your relationship with Jesus. To grow closer to the body of Christ. Pastor Jim Simla of the Brooklyn Tabernacle uh, used to say, if you just come once a week, don't come Sunday morning. Come Tuesday night to prayer. That's how serious they were about prayer. I'd like to say, if you don't, if you only come once a week, come to your hope group. That's how important it is. Keep coming Sundays, okay? Or I'll get in trouble. There's hope groups. That's one of the main discipleship options. The second is spiritual friendships. And we've started this, and we, we call it Project 52. Uh, we have spiritual friendships where people uh, covenant together over a year to go through 52 stories of the Bible. So they're getting in the Word, and they're, they're having a relationship with one another, and they're covenanting to say, hey, I'm going to walk through these 52 stories of the Bible, and we're going to talk about it and pray for one another. And it's, it's not hard. It's real simple. It's laid out. But it says at the end of this year, then you commit to grabbing someone and going through 52 stories of the Bible. Disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And our goal is to see 100 of those relationships over the next year. So if you want a simple hour training, we're doing that uh, on October 17th. Let me know. We'd love to to be the church, right, that Jesus loves us to be, by his grace, it's time to rise up, not, not, not physically, it's time to rise up and be the church, who go and make disciples. Last week, I got the opportunity to go and visit my little brother James in New Mexico, and James has battled cancer for 14 years And through this journey, God has brought my little brother back to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Here's the hard news. He had to come home from the hospital to be in hospice. And so I was there uh, to be there with him as he made that transition. And barring, uh, he's had miracles in his life. God has done miracles over these 14 years. But... He's probably going to be home, go home to be with Jesus in the next months or weeks. That's the hard news. But can I tell you the good news? My time with my little brother was so precious because I saw the hand of God. I saw the answers to prayer. I saw the presence of Jesus with us. The ambulance driver that dropped him off had his mask on and And my brother said, ask him what that says. And it was Hebrew letters. And he said, in the beginning, God created. And I'm sitting there with the hospice nurses. And this ambulance driver had the boldness to say, James, can I pray for you? And he prayed a precious prayer. And when he left, I turned to those nurses. You don't see that often, do you? Two of his pastors came to visit And it was so powerful. One of those pastors is this small group pastor. He's in a Monday night group with men. And you need to know that my brother for 20 years walked away from Jesus. So I got to tell these pastors, I'm so thankful for your church. Three years ago, God rescued him and brought him into your church. To be a disciple again of Jesus. I met a friend of his who has known him for 10 years, and when she first met him, she saw the mark of God on him. She knew that God had called him, was calling him back to him. In the mornings, we would, would do a devotion. We would, we would worship. We would pray together. We would surrender all, right? And just say, God, we pray for a miracle, but it's in your hands. We surrender to your will. And Pastor Bill declared Isaiah 40, 11 over him that the shepherd gathers the lambs close to his heart. And there's nothing closer than our shepherd. And Pastor Dave declared Ezekiel 44, 4 that the glory of the Lord would fill the place. And the glory of the Lord was there with us. And all the while, I saw the goodness of God. I saw answers to prayer. A couple years ago, when, when James came back to Jesus, I said, can I send this email to our home church? There were a couple disciples, a couple followers of Jesus who daily for 20 years prayed for my brother. And I thought of that The young lady that that saw the mark of God on his life, and I thought, man, that was answers to prayer. That was the church being the church. That was the church praying. That was the church uh, being a disciple. God, you are so good. Louis Giglio, his wife, Shelly, says, I refuse to give up on people because I know what God can do. And that's what the church, that's what the disciples of Jesus did for my brother, did for our family. So who will rise up? Who will pray for the prodigal? Who will be part of the discipleship? what Jesus calls us to do? Do we want to have no faith, or do we want to just say, Jesus, we welcome your faith into our hearts? True community comes when we receive Christ's faith, and mission for the church. Let's do it, New Hope. Let's be a part of a disciple shift. In a little while, I'm going to ask you to take that communion that you were, were given. And when you, when you take the wafer, you say, Christ's body broken for me. And when you drink the cup, you say, Christ's blood shed for me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we remember him when we do this. And we receive the grace of Jesus. We receive the faith of Jesus. We confess our sins. We say, Lord, forgive me. I take your body, what you did for me on the cross. Your body broken for me. I take the cup, your blood shed for me. It's a new covenant. It's paid I receive it. And I just ask you to reflect, to think as you take this, God, show me show me my step to being a disciple for you. Take away the fear. I, I just receive your faith. You do it. You show me. I want to be your disciple. I want to be a part of your kingdom. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you That in that upper room, Jesus, you got down, you washed the disciples' feet. You said you showed them the full extent of your love. We just thank you, Jesus, there's nothing like your love. We just thank you there's nothing like your power that can calm the wind and calm the waves. Lord, forgive us for trying to do it on our power. We surrender to you. We bow before you. All we do is praise. All we do is worship. All we do is bow down. All we do is stay still. And you're going to fight our battle. And you have won the war. And we're a part of your family. And there's no connection. There's no community like that. And so Jesus, forgive us. Cleanse us. Fill us with, with your faith. Fill us with your presence. And show us what steps to take to, to be disciples. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. Lord Jesus, we, we just present these communion elements to you. We just ask for your presence. Lord, as we worship, as we take these, we just, we invite you in. Have your way, Jesus. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.